0: Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I will wait on you, Lord. Uh, The title seems uh, simplistic, but there's a very important word that I want to speak about, especially in this particular title, and I'll get to it in just a moment. But first, I want you to place your, heart, your hand over your heart, and I want us to pray. Father, we pray in Jesus' name for your word, Lord. Not because it needs blessing, but because we need it to bless us. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would send your word, Father, timely word, into our hearts. And that our hearts, Lord, would be available that the doors of our hearts would be open, Father, for you, Lord, would come to plant that seed of life deep within us. And let it cause change. Let it not come to sit there, Father God, but let it cause change and transform us into the people you want us to be. We give you our hearts this morning. We become attentive, Lord, to your spirit. Speak to us as you will and have your way with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I will wait on you, Lord. Let me first give you a definition of this particular word the word is wait everybody say wait let me give you a definition of waiting it is defined as the action of staying where one is the action of staying where one is or delaying action until a particular time or delaying our action Until a particular time, or waiting, holding still until something else happens. Now, I really want you to understand this because I know it sounds simple. It sounds kind of elementary that we would talk about waiting, but you're going to find out as we dig in a little bit and we challenge our characters and our who we are. You'll find that waiting isn't really as easy as it sounds. So again, the definition of waiting is the action of staying where one is or delaying an action until a particular time or staying still until something else happened. The second thing I'll say about waiting is that it's not a passive state. It's not a passive position as if someone says wait and they're expecting you to sit down and slump over, take a nap and do nothing. Just simply Sit there, twiddle your fingers, and do nothing. But yet, in fact, all the contrary, when we speak about waiting, there is a serious requirement of effort when it comes to waiting. Waiting challenges almost every aspect of who we are. I want you to think about the times that you may have had to wait or you were instructed to wait. Somebody told you, don't move, stay there. Something happens deep within you that needs to be mastered, that needs to be in control. For example, if I can this morning, one of the things that are challenged by waiting is your emotions. What if you don't feel like waiting? What if what you're asking for needs quick attention now and you're emotional about it now? That's a challenge. What about your creativity? Wait for that. I can figure that out. Why should I have to wait for anything? I'm a smart individual, I'm educated, I'm prepared. Wait. Waiting is for somebody who has no idea what to do, but I'm a creative individual, therefore, why wait? What about outside voices, your listening factor? They told you to wait? Why are you going to wait? Why don't you just do that and fix that? I I wouldn't. What are you going to do, just stand there and wait? Wait? I wouldn't. What I would do is do this. Be active. God helps those who help themselves. What about your loyalty? It's challenged challenge as well. If you were told by somebody to wait, your loyalty is going to be revealed. And what kind of waiting? And if you wait at all, So a lot of things are challenged. So waiting really isn't as simple as it sounds. If I tell somebody to wait, there's a lot involved in your waiting. It's not simply wait, take a nap, do nothing. But there's something at hand that needs to be addressed and you're told to wait. So there's going to be a challenge. And so in spite of how challenging waiting really is, I've come to address you this morning and to challenge you to the thought that. Waiting is something that you and I as believers need to master and learn. It's so important for us as believers in our Christian path or in our walk with God to master waiting. It's necessary for us today and every day to meditate on the importance of knowing how to wait. Micah chapter 7 verse 7 is our passage of choice. Just for the sake of platform this morning. It reads, but I will look to the Lord and I will wait for God, the God of my salvation. I will look to the Lord and I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Waiting. Waiting. I pray that the more I say waiting, the more meaningful that word becomes to you. The fact of the matter is when it comes to waiting, it's easier to say than to practice or to fulfill. Can somebody say amen? amen? An example. Maybe in your own life, certainly in mine, how many times have we told the Lord, uh, Father, you go ahead and respond to this prayer at your leisure. Me, I'm going to sit right here and wait. Only for the next few minutes, there you go, running off. Calling people and doing all kinds of things, trying to solution or bring solution to your circumstance. And in a moment's time, you go and you do things that, sadly enough, more times than not, leaves you in a worse place than where you began. It's important for us to know how to wait on God. God wants us to know how to wait on Him. If you believe, and it's true, that it's the Lord who knows our past, present, and certainly our future, then I believe it would be good to confide and to trust and to wait somebody who knows your tomorrow. Would you say amen? amen. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, a very commented passage. Everybody knows this verbatim. For I know the thoughts that I have about you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you the end which ye hope for. I know, he said, with such sureness and security, I know we know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. That means that our tomorrow, even though it's new to us, God's already there. I told the church this morning, this is why we, he, he is called the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He knows the story from the beginning chapter to the closing words of the chapters. This is why he is so gracious enough to allow us to look into the future by him telling us what we can expect. And so if he knows our tomorrow and we don't, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We may not be here tomorrow. He may come for us tonight. Something else may happen tomorrow to me and I may never see you again until I see you in glory. And I better see you in glory. But since he knows our tomorrow, wouldn't it be wise for us to learn to trust the one who knows our tomorrow? Now, David, and we all know David by experience in Scripture. And we mainly remember a couple of things about him. One, that he was the king of Judah. He he was King David. Uh, He's the one that wrote the major part of the Psalms. Uh, We preach about him consistently from the pulpit, speaking on David. He teaches us so many lessons, David does. And today I want him to help us understand what he learned about waiting. Now he too had the experience of the challenge in waiting for God. Psalms 31 verse 1 reads as follows. Listen to his verbiage or his words that he writes. How long will you forget me, O Lord? Always. Isn't it amazing that when you get frustrated waiting for something and you ask that person you're waiting for, you say, how long is it going to take you to come and do this? Never. And you answer the question you ask. You don't wait to say, like, well, listen, I'll be there on Thursday. No, no. When are you coming? You're never coming, Right. Our frustration is revealed immediately. God, and this is what he is saying to the Lord. Lord, how long are you going to forget me? Always. How long will you hide your face from me? That is, you never show yourself around anymore. You don't talk to me that much anymore. It seems like you don't care about me. In fact, he goes on to say, have you turned your face from me? And he says something very important that's characteristic of all of us when we're tired of waiting. You complain about the fact that when you speak to yourself during the waiting, depending on how frustrated you are, all you have to say is down things, negative things. And he goes on to say, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having pain in my heart every day? How many have ever had the experience of waiting over something and not getting an answer, and all of a sudden you begin to talk to yourself and you say, well, I might as well forget it. Nothing's going to happen ah uh, why even try why even wait and it causes suffering us because our spirit begins to deteriorate and our face begins to show it our our shoulders begin to slump over and uh, we lose the the, the 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 little bounce in our walk there is no more joy why because we're listening to the counsel of our innermost being that's frustrated because we're tired and frustrated for waiting we see David in this passage ask the Lord four times how long. Because he was tired of waiting. Now during the time that he wrote this psalms, if you will, this passage, this conversation with God. He found himself in very grievous affliction. He was being hunted down. He, 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 there was a death warrant on his head. He wanted God to solidify this. He wanted God to settle this whole argument between him and Saul. Lord, get this guy off of me. The Bible said that he chased him around like a beast in the field. And Saul was king. He had all kinds of authorities and counselors and people around him who could do the work. So they chased him around. Now, David, we know, was by himself. He had no associates, no advisors of his own. Uh, it's it's easier to wait when you have people around you telling you, hey, relax, it's going to be okay. When are they going to do this? Hold on, I know, I know. You're tired of waiting. That's okay, but listen, relax. Listen, I'm here. We're going to make it. And So it's easier to go through a waiting spell when you have people speaking to you words of encouragement. But David had no one. Went on as to wonder if God had even forgotten him. So he's frustrated And he presents his complaint unto the Lord. Why the delay, God? Why are you holding back? Well, regardless of how he complained, ladies and gentlemen, David had to learn how to wait on God. As you and I must learn to wait on God. if you believe truly that all things work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose, then that should encourage you a little bit to say, well, listen, if I'm going to do a little bit of waiting, then I'm going to do waiting with hope because I know that when all of this is over, he promised to prosper me, to excel me. Now, I want us to understand this morning that when God allows delay in our lives, it's always for that. And that is to prosper us. It's not for a negative reason or thing. It's not for anything to bring you to become a person that's downtrodden, frustrated, and a failure. But it's always to excel you. Always to excel you. You know, some people consider it a minor thing to to wait for God. Some some people say, you know, why, why... Why should we wait for him? And other people complain about waiting on God. Oh, wait again. Why doesn't he respond now? Have you ever gone through something long enough and you say, like, what's all this waiting for? If God wanted to, he could do this right now. We begin to challenge God as if you might forget how he healed the leper or how he healed the blind man instantly. How the woman with the issue of blood was healed once she touched the hem of his garment. How, how he touched that cripple that they put in through the roof in that house when Jesus was preaching that night. He couldn't get through because of the crowd. And Jesus immediately forgave his sins and healed them. Pick up your mat and go. Why can't God do that in my life? It's as if you're putting God against a wall and going like, can you or can't you? And so we become burdened by it. And we think that waiting on God is a type of slavery. A type of just frustrating, something God's doing just to tease us. But that's not the reason at all. What we should be doing in our time of waiting, ladies and gentlemen, is praying that God gives us the grace to wait. To learn how to wait. And in time, he will teach us, as he has taught many in Scripture, that when that time is over and a time to fulfill whatever it is that you've asked him to do, and he sees the time that is perfect, you will see that it was a blessing, not something of a discouragement to your soul. So the questions of the hour... The question of the hour this morning that we'll address just for the next few minutes is why is it important for us to wait on God? And why does he do this? What does it teach us? What does it do for us? Well, number one this morning, it'll teach you to depend on God. Oh, that's simple, is it? After we just spoke about waiting and how creative we are and how we are so full of self-helps. You know, you and I know we are blessed to live in this country. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Uh, Let me believe you. I say, We live in a very blessed country. God bless America. We live in a blessed country with so many resources. There is nothing in this country of ours that cannot be bought or borrowed, obtained. And there's so much that even things can be stolen. From education to business, almost everything you desire in this country, you have access to. If you have a problem, we live in a self help nation. Go to a library and you'll buy a book of 12 steps to progress or help. If it's money, we have financing companies on every corner just so much willing to finance your dreams if you're sick we have doctor after doctor there are plazas and areas in our city specifically designed where in that limited area we have nothing but nurses and doctors and medications for your illnesses if you need information now we have something called Google social media you don't even have to know anything anymore I can ask you right now, who was the 18th president of the United States? Who can give me an answer real quick? Go to Google. It'll tell you. You don't even have to know it. But we have it in our world. We have everything. Counseling. We have sociologists and psychologists. We have everything. In marriage situations, we have people who will counsel you. Every, we are such a blessed country. Somebody say Amen. But there is a downside to everything we call benefits here in this country. And that is that in a very subtle way, all of these resources that we have on hand, all these personal self-helps that we have here in our country, have subtly, very craftily taken away and caused a certain amnesia in the minds and hearts of humanity. And it's made us forget that all of these benefits that we have are only had because there is one God who has allowed these blessings into our life. The only reason we are blessed is because He decided to bless us. Sadly enough, people... Really, really in their thinking when it comes to their abilities. They are such gifted people. Every one of these people up here had the gift of playing musicians. I would challenge that not everybody in this sanctuary can play the drums like Duke or the piano or whatever. Talented. And then I also know that in this church there are people who are gifted with many skills that I could never do. We have such a tremendous variety of giftings here that God has allowed us. But sadly enough, it happens, especially to those who have such great gifts, such as doctors. Let me just, I'm not ill-speaking doctors. Thank God for doctors. But so many doctors, after a moment's time of practice, they feel that because of their mastery of chemicals and study of plants, they can now become the saviors of men. We have financers, people that work in finance, start believing so much that in their experience and their trading skills and economics and profit that they can finance anyone's dream. We have uh, physical trainers who have studied the body and they begin to believe that they have mastered the formula to keep the body in shape to give us more years than anyone could ever accept. All these things are good. I thank God for athletic trainers, I Uh, I thank God for having people who can finance for us and help us. And we thank God for all the doctors uh, who can help us medically. Praise the Lord for them. But we must never forget that all of this knowledge and all of the blessings that we have have all had their beginnings in the volunteering giftings of God. And because of this, The point I'm trying to make is that dependency on God. One of the greatest tools that God can teach our dependency of us on Him is to stop us calling our tracks and put us in a moment of waiting. Because of what I've just mentioned, I think is good potential as to why the Lord would hold back His response to some of our petitions. Could it be that some of us even here this morning and certainly around this world and in churches all over, that the Lord orders this waiting period in our lives because He wants to teach us the John 15 truth. The John 15 truth in verse 5 is this. It reads, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How many believe that? Do we really believe that? Do we? What is God telling us very nicely in John 15 and 5? I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You'll be successful. But without me, you can do nothing. What Jesus is really in layman's turn telling us, it says, if I don't move, nothing moves. If I don't agree, nothing moves. If I'm not ready... Nothing moves. And so we're taking to that place of suspense that now everything we could do for ourselves because you've tamed your character, you've tamed your creativity, you've shut down the voices of the outside who have been counseling you to move. And because you want to prove your loyalty, everything is beyond your reach now. You cannot do anything except wait on him. And let me just say, ladies and gentlemen, and I have experienced this firsthand firsthand. It's much easier to be active than to wait. It's much easier to do something than to wait. David was a man of action. Now this man would truly have his faith tested by God's decision to not answer quickly. He would really challenge who David is. But though we are anxious and we are active, we must learn how to wait on the Lord And wait only to hear one thing, and that is his go ahead, or here it is, or take this, I give it to you now. Now, to reveal our faith, we know that action can always reveal our faith. But also, our faith can be revealed in the waiting, in the trusting, into knowing that I have nothing without him. Nothing. Nothing. Sometimes that waiting takes us to that point, ladies and gentlemen, where I have no one to depend on except God. There's nothing I can do. And maybe that's where we should be all the time. God's been trying to teach humanity to depend on him since the beginning. He's been trying to speak to our hearts to say, listen, stop thinking so much for yourself. Trust me. You cannot work your way to heaven on your own. You're not that smart. I can show you. Wait on me. I can show you the path. Learn. I can provide the things for you that you need to live an abundant and full and blessed life. Waiting. Secondly, waiting can come as a result of God trying to qualify you for the next level. That is, God is trying to promote you. Did you ever think about waiting as being something positive in that sense? That God would say, wait, you're not ready for what I'm about to do with you. That excites me a little bit. I don't know about you, but it excites me when I know that everything that God plans for my life is always going to excel me forward. Remember from glory to glory. Remember all things work out for good. Remember, my God will provide all things. Remember, all these things that God has promised that speak to us of excelling and moving forward. Sometimes God causes us to wait because we're not ready to move on. Told the church this morning over the years and they've been quite a few years that I've been in ministry now. It was such a joy this morning. We have brother and sister... and Diana Hernandez here these people I know them would you wave your hand would you look back there these people are good good friends of ours they were members of Rock of Ages years ago and we spoke to each other and how different we haven't seen them in years and they were here since one of our beginning years years ago and we never really knew what God would do with us until now and it's been a process of waiting and pressing and moving forward all this time But have you ever considered that God causes you to wait because you're not ready for your tomorrow? God had rejected Saul as king of Israel and sent Samuel to Jesse. Here's the story of David again. God had chosen one of Jesse's sons to be the king of Judah. You'll find this in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and on. But where was David during this time? After Samuel gets there and he's looking for this supposed king that the Lord said he would find in that house. And he speaks to Jesse the father. He says, listen, where are your boys? And and just the fact that this whole interaction between Samuel and the father and a couple of other things that I'll mention this morning shows you that nobody really believed David would accomplish many things in his life. Remind you again, Samuel went in looking for a king. Samuel, where are your boys? He goes, oh, you're looking for a king? Hold on a second. And he calls out the big burly boys. Yeah, Dad. He goes, there's a king. And no, not him. And they get the other guy. He's not much smaller. They get the other guy. He's not much smaller either. Just big burly, good looking boys. These guys will serve anywhere as a king. This is the guy you're looking for. He said, No, no, no. That's not it. Well, that whole conversation reveals one thing that not even David's father thought his son would accomplish anything in life. I'm here to tell somebody listen, even if your parents don't believe in you, it doesn't change God's plan for you. Come on, somebody. Even if your family doesn't believe in you, that does not change God's plan for you. doesn't matter if the neighbors don't believe in you. They consider you a loser all your life. If you didn't do that well in school, the teacher said you'll never be academically prepared for anything. It does not change God's plan for you. Now, not even his brothers believed in little innocent David. You remember the time when This nine-foot giant named Goliath was challenging the armies of Israel. and They were all hiding behind the hill of Allah. And Jesse thought of his sons. Remember the big muscle guys? They were hiding. And so he says, the little kid. He goes, well, if I send this out and he gets killed, I'm not going to lose much. So he sends David with cheese and bread. He says, go to your brothers. They're hungry. They've been out there for 40 days. Hiding from whatever is going on. Go and feed him. And when he got there, instead of his brother saying, oh, thanks a lot. Thanks, little brother. They said, get out of here. You don't belong at war. Look at my breast. You can't even carry my breastplates. Get out of here. They didn't even think of him worthy. But again, I say to you, it doesn't matter if your own family doesn't believe. It doesn't change God's plans. God had a plan. God was looking for a king. But you need to remember also, ladies and gentlemen, David was indeed a shepherd boy. He was the youngest in his family. In his house, he obviously wasn't a leader. He was a follower. He was an assistant, not a director. His experience or greatest experience was leading sheep and counting stars at night. With all his time, what the boy did was he learned how to play the guitar. And write songs. It wasn't learning how to wield a sword for war. Look at who he was. Let me just say something in that regard. You cannot make a shepherd boy into a king overnight. You cannot excel somebody from zero to hero. You can't do that. It takes time to develop a leader. David was preparing for a progressive move of God on God's part. So big, even David could not imagine it. He was astounded by the fact that God would even consider to put a crown on his head when everybody else didn't think he deserved anything but the field and the stink of sheep. But God saw a king. You know, there's a song that we sing here in the worship uh, team. And I I don't, I'm not much, I I don't, I just know how to play this stuff sometimes. But I, I, and I listen to as much as I can while I'm trying to remember the chords. But there's one song that says, I am who you say I am. I don't know what the name of that song is. But it says, I am who you say I am. And that ministers to my life a lot. And David would lo- would soon learn that that song, though he never heard it, would have true meaning in his life. Because ultimately, at the end of his life, we found out that didn't matter what the world said about him. God prepared him to become someone whom God said he would become. And I believe that God has that for every single one of us in this place. We just need to stop where we're at, living in the plateau we're at, and start thinking and start asking God, Lord, what are you doing in my life? What am I to be for you? And you'll find out that the greater the call, the more waiting involved. The more waiting involved. God had chosen him after his own heart. God chose him. To be a leader, not of sheep, but the leader of the armies of Israel. His guitar would not be to write psalms alone, but now it would turn into a sword that would defend God's people and God's honor. He would no longer be a subservant in his home to his father or his brothers. He would be a leader to a nation. Think about that. And all of that process, ladies and gentlemen, happened in the waiting. Not in the anxiousness or desperation but in the waiting you can become a king overnight ladies and gentlemen some of us here have been waiting for the lord to answer in regards to our request and there's been a waiting in between and you ask the lord sometimes like david have you forgotten me Are you even looking at me anymore? Can you even hear my voice? Can you identify me? Do you know who I am anymore, God? And we complain. You're listening to your painful soul. Your mind is being filled. There's no one around you to encourage you. And so you speak downward words to yourself, just like David. And in that waiting, you don't realize that just like David, the Lord is daily forming your innermost parts of who you are. That you might be able to benefit of who you will be. Wow. How awesome news. To know that even the way I look at myself doesn't have to be the way God looks at me. Even if I speak down to myself, I'll never accomplish anything. There's no way. I'm frustrated, you know. I've always been voted least likely to succeed. To know that God is looking just like David. He's looking someone after his own heart. God was looking for a king that day. And he molded him out of a mere little unwanted Unliked, unvalued shepherd boy. All in the waiting. You know, God is not stopped by time or worldly demands. His timing is perfect. Somebody say, is man." Amen. God's timing is perfect, whether you know it or accept it or not. God's timing is always perfect. He will complete His plan to perfection. You don't believe me? Isaiah fifty-five eleven. So shall my word be that proceeded out of my mouth. It shall not return to be void, but shall shall do. It shall perform those things for which I sent it. It's going to do. It's not going to come back and not do what I sent it out to do. It's going to produce... I don't speak in vain. What I've spoken into your life is going to produce. And if you read a little bit more, you'll find out of what kind of joy, what kind of peace, what kind of benefit and blessings and what kind of songs God was going to fill you with in the rest of that passage. All because God spoke a word to you. But you have to wait for that word. God watches carefully over his word. That it might and will produce that for which he sent it to you. If God has told you your children will be saved. Then they will be saved. Make no mistake. If God said he was going to heal your marriage. If God said he's going to heal you financially. If God said he's going to heal you physically. Then you can take that to the bank. He's going to fulfill his word. God took David to the time of waiting because God was wanting to advance him. And I believe that some of our waiting, ladies and gentlemen here, some of us here today, you're just waiting for an advancement in the Lord. David had to learn to wait even after. Listen, he learned that lesson. <coughs> he learned how to wait. It was tough waiting for him, but he learned how to wait. And the proof of it is that after he got his throne, if you read some of his stories some more, he spent time advising his people on why they should wait on the Lord also. He bears witness to them and from his own experience what he later learned about the benefit of waiting on God. Listen to what Psalms 40 says. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he bowed down to me and heard my cry. He brought me out of the pit of despair and out of the muddy mirror. He set my feet on a rock and straightened my steps. Then he put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. No longer complaining, but praise. David himself is saying, you know what? I'm not moaning anymore. I'm not saying, Lord, how long? Why have you forgotten me? Oh, poor me. Woe unto me. Now what flows from my heart is praise. Every time I speak to him, I uplift and glorify his name because I've learned what waiting on him results in. He's always looking for a way to excel. And this throne before me is so beyond my imagination. I can only tell you if you want some of this, if you want your place, if you want your reward, then like me, learn how to wait on God. He said, Many will see and they will fear and they will trust in Jehovah. David has seen his deliverance, and because of that, he developed an implicit trust in him. Now he could bear witness to those around him. You know, it's worthy to wait on God. You know, the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, that we live in a microwave society. Yes? Yeah, we do. We live in a very microwave society. We do. We complain so much about waiting two minutes. We continue to upgrade our computers because it's taking two seconds too long to open the page. Ain't that the truth? You know, we have caused innovation. Our impatience has caused innovation in our world. people have learned that they have banked and earned money on our impatience. Did you know that that's how Walmart and H-E-B grocery markets, for that reason, were open? This is why somebody, Mr. Walmart, somewhere up there in Arkansas, said, you know what? Um, I think I can see a good business on the impatience of people. Because you know how people used to buy food before? You've seen, like, Little House on the Prairie? Okay, so you didn't live in those days like I did, okay? But it used to be that people used to go to the store. And they'd stand at the counter and they'd say, yeah, hey, how you doing? Yeah, let me have two pounds of flour and let me have a two pounds of lard or oil or let me have a bag of beans. And then you'd have a 30 people lying there and everybody's going like, can I have a? And there's one guy there or two at the max. And they're having to run to the back of the store to get stuff for them. And they got impatient. I like, go, "Come on, I, I really gotta go. This is my lunch hour, and I need to pick up beans because my wife is gonna get after me. She told me to pick up flour. So, can you hurry, please?" Well, listen, I'm getting these other guys. And finally, one day, said, "You know what? Why don't you get it yourself?" <laughs> right? Read. This is history. This is for real. I didn't make this up. We made Mr. Walton rich because we're impatient. They said, "Listen, don't be yelling at me. You know, go get your stuff, and just come over here and pay me." Ah, that was like a breath of fresh air. Everybody ran there, got their stuff, and they've made more money, and now so now you have Walmart, the biggest industry in food selling, clothing, everything else in the world. Why? Because it all began with impatience. This is why microwaves were developed. All these things. We're speeding everything up. Sadly enough, and all that I say to you this morning is this, that because of that impatience that we live in our society, sometimes that bleeds into our relationship with God. And we're just as impatient with God as we are with our computer. We're just as impatient with God as we are with the next Upgrading your computer or whatever it is that you're doing that you're waiting on. Take three minutes, it's too much, you're already yelling. The light turns green. Beep, beep. And at the same time, when you speed somebody off like that, you end up at the other red light and you're still together. (laughs) Come on, you know I'm telling you the truth. (laughs) That was the Lord, that wasn't me, man. (laughs) it happens to me all the time come on come on i gotta go i'm i gotta go i'm like i thought i beat him like two hours ahead (laughs) okay this is serious stop that. impatience so god never has time to prepare you for anything God sometimes wants to prepare for something great. You know, Abraham, if I can just touch on his life a few minutes, I'm about done this morning. Abraham also had to learn how to wait just like David. Did you know that David, I mean, Abraham wait, waited about 25, 26, 27 years, some writers say, for his son. That covenant son that was promised. Paul is already almost 100 years old. But He waited. But he waited that time. You know, well, you know what happened during that wait? Did you know that Abraham is called the father of faith? Did you know that Abraham is called a friend of God? So we see what kind of happened during that waiting time. He became friends with God. Before then, he wasn't known like that. He became the father of nations. Can you see the time of preparation? What that time of preparation did to this man's life? He not only got a son, and he didn't just get a son. He got a son, ladies and gentlemen, that we are kin to because his line came all the way down to the root of Jesse. All the way down to Bethlehem that day that produced for us the Christ that we serve now and is our Savior. All in the waiting. That's because a man decided to wait on God because he said he would, he did. And so what he did, he didn't waste his time. God took him through that moment to prepare him for greater things. He became a friend of God. And then his history tells us now, his testimony, thousands of years later, tells us that he is the father of faith. Wow. You know, waiting also teaches us obedience. Teaches us obedience. Loyalty. Nothing will teach you how committed you are to being faithful as will waiting do when you're commanded to. Oh, we're easy to say, I love God. Oh, God's awesome. I trust him with everything. But yet, when he says, stop it, you keep going. I told the church this morning, I said, in my years of ministry, I've met so many people, so many young men that have destroyed their potential for ministry all because of impatience. I have seen young people, young people that couldn't wait to marry and they married the wrong person because they refused to wait. Young ladies who would not listen to God to wait and they ended up ruining their lives by marrying a heathen, an unbeliever. Ruined their lives. Men whom the Lord said wait. But they wanted to do an investment. They thought it was good in their own intellect. And they did. And they ended up bankrupt. Planning and doing all these things. Should you buy. In the simplest thing. Should we buy this house? I don't know. I don't know. We're ready. Uh, The Lord says listen. Relax. Wait. I'm going to give you more. Just wait. No, no. Let's go ahead and do it. And all of a sudden you're foreclosing in the next six months. It it happens in every aspect of life. It will reveal your obedience when God says, wait. Your trust and confidence in Him and your loyalty to Him will be shown for what it is depending on the quality of waiting you do. Anybody listening this morning? I think God's giving somebody wisdom this morning. You're getting your answer about stuff you want to do. And you haven't really felt like the go-ahead. And God is telling you to wait. Well, he's telling you now you better wait. Because you'll have nothing to do with it if you do it on your own. Waiting will teach you obedience. That's what David learned. That's what Abraham learned and everyone who's ever lived through Christ that has ever done or received anything worthy that was going to excel them forward from God that is blessed of God has gone through the time of waiting. Remember, everything that God does for us is to prosper us. You think God in, a simp- in, in, a, in the simplest blow of his nose could not destroy this world and start all over again and take us to a place of scratch and just draw on a new canvas? He could do that easily because he's God. He started all this. The creator. He could change his mind and say, you know what? Nah. This is too distorted now. Let me grab it all and just throw it out. Let me start on a new page. And we're gone. But God has committed himself to fix the broken. Ever since the garden, his plan immediately when he saw humanity break, he promised, I'm going to fix you up. And one of the tools he's using today to fix us, to prepare us, to take us back to that place where we're in line with him again, to trust him again, to depend on him, to obey him. to teach us how to wait on him wait on him he told the people of israel when they took him out of egypt these people could have made it to canaan in a few days but yet it took them 40 years why because in the process they just couldn't get it right they could not obey They were always rebelling against God. They were yelling at Moses. They were complaining all the, hey, we're going to die out here, and just moaning, and the Lord held them in content because of that. That none of them, I told the church this morning, and I'll remind you this morning, none of them made it into Canaan. Because of their unwillingness to trust and wait. And God spoke to them wonderfully, ladies and gentlemen. He spoke to them. You'll find this story in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He spoke to them of why he took them through the desert area. He said, I've done these things to see what's in your heart, whether you shall keep my commands or not. If you're going to obey me or not. And he continues to speak to them, to encourage them. He said, but I want you, as you consider waiting on me, I want you to consider what has happened in the past 40 years. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. For the Lord your God brings you into the good land, a land of streams, waters, and springs, springs springing up in plains and mountains, a land of wheat and barley and of vines, fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olives and oil and honey, a land in which you shall not eat bread in scarcity. There should be plenty of bread there for you, nor shall you lack anything in it, A land whose stones are iron and from whose mountains you shall draw copper. And thou shalt eat and be satisfied and thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he shall have given thee. He's got him in the desert saying, listen, learn to trust me. Learn to obey me. Because after this, if you stick to it, you're going to see that I'm going to give you a place that you never imagined. I'm going to give you a family that you never imagined. I'm going to give you sons and daughters that you never imagined. I'm going to give you a job that you never imagined. I'm going to give you good health that you never imagined if you'll just learn to wait on me. He spoke to them. He said, look at your feet. They haven't swollen All these years in the desert. Look at your clothes. It hasn't faded in all these years. Look at what I've done. You were thirsty. I gave you water. You were hungry. I gave you meat. You needed bread. I opened my bakery in heaven and fed you. Why can't you learn to trust and obey me? said, I bring you to a good land. If you'll just follow me, if you learn to do what I tell you, if you truly believe that all things work together for good, then trust me. If you can truly believe that I can do all things through Christ, through me, if I am truly the vine to you and you understand your position as the branches, then stay with me, obey me, and be persistent. Be fluid. Be consistent with your staying with me. You remember Jacob? Everybody heard the story how he wrestled with the angel. Remember? And what did he say to that angel? He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. That's persistence. And I say to you as I ask you to stand this morning. That's the kind of persistence God wants us to have with him. He wants you not to wrestle with an angel. But to wrestle with consistency and continuance. Solidarity and obedience. To not let go of God. Don't let your waiting cause you to run from God. Well, I prayed forever. He never answered. So I said, what for? And you turn around and you walk away. Don't let the voices around, listen, I never wait. Why should I wait? God made me smart. He shouldn't have made me so smart. I can figure out my own things. I'm not waiting for anybody. Well, then you do whatever you want. I'm going to wait on him. Don't let anything take you out from that place of waiting. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's an incubator. The waiting that you're doing right now. The prayers that you have in the presence of the Lord right now, they are incubating right now greater things that you could never imagine. Even the things that you think are grand. Even the things you're saying, well, that's going to be kind of hard for God because that's a big thing I'm requesting. It's nothing in compared to what God has prepared for you. Remember the scripture that says, I has not seen, neither have ears heard, nor has it sat upon the hearts of men. Those things that God prepared for those who love him. I want you to leave this place this morning confident. Some of you have been distraught because you've been waiting too long for the salvation of your children, for the fixing of your marriage, the fixing of your finances, something emotional, something physical you're going through. Whatever petition you have, some of you have been waiting a while and you're saying, oh man, I'm getting impatient. Master that impatience. David shared in Psalms shared in Psalm 62 verse 1, he said, Truly my soul hopes in God, for him come from Him comes thy salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I won't be very moved. Listen to those words. Can I just say that? Just to explain this to you a little bit. I will not be very moved. Why would he say that? From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. All these things, positive things. He's everything to me, my salvation, my rock, my defense, but I, I won't be moved a lot. You know why? Number one, being moved speaks of effort. That means that something happens in the waiting And the first thing that happens to an individual who's waiting is the tendency to move. Listen to me carefully. This will save your life. For someone who is waiting on the Lord, the first tendency he has, when God says wait upon something, your first tendency is to move. It's kind of like when you tell a child, don't touch that. And he goes, don't touch that. Your tendency is to move. Stay right there. That's just nature. That's characteristic of our flesh. Always to show a little disobedience. How much you can get away with. But God calls us to become separate. To not hold on to anything from yesterday. Trust Him today and every day. Are you waiting for something? Have you grown a little tired of waiting? Listen, there is great reward in waiting. I hope you understand that waiting isn't as easy as it sounds. You never thought about the fact that when you're, called, you're told to wait and you keep doing stuff, it means that you haven't mastered certain characteristics about yourself. You haven't. Learn to settle your mind that when you're told something, stop being creative. Stop it. Nobody asked you what you're going to do. You're told to wait. Nobody said that you should have some kind of authority and, and, and domain over your emotions. Don't be emotional about it. He said to wait. Nothing's going to move. Don't you you, you. you relax. When you're told to wait, it doesn't. Well, but they're telling me, uh, sh- shut them up. Shut it up. So important for young people in school. For every one of us as adults, shut them up because they will move you from where you're supposed to be in the waiting. And when you move from where you're supposed to be in the waiting, just like the people of Israel, just like so many people in Scripture and so many people we know even today, they miss the mark and they miss the harvest of the waiting. There is a great harvest for us all this morning. I don't know what your petition is this morning, but I want you to know, God wants you to know that if you'll just wait a little bit longer, his time is perfect. It's excellent. His word in your life will not come back void. God stands in this position looking at his word. You produce everything for which I sent you. You will not come back void to me and make me a liar you will not come back to me proving void you will bless those for whom I have sent it I believe that this morning but I can't believe that for you you need to believe it for yourself